what is our responsibility to God and to government as followers of Jesus Christ? That's the question that I'm gonna be dealing with today from the scriptures. So here's what I'm asking you to do as you listen to this message today. Don't jump ahead of me. Don't assume what I'm going to say or what I'm not going to say. Listen carefully to what the scripture says and please hear the message out in its entirety until the very conclusion. Can you do that? I hope you will. And I'm gonna ask God to help us do that right now. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word that gives us instruction. And as I have asked, I, I just pray now, Holy Spirit, you will guide my mind and my speech, that I will speak what you want in the way you want it spoken. And that Lord, we will honor you um, as we have gathered in your name, Lord Jesus. So we just thank you for your presence with us. We, we have felt it today. We know you are with us. So continue to help us now to be sensitive to your leading and then rightly applying your word to each and every situation we face, individually and collectively in your name, amen. So down through history, uh, the biblical record gives many examples of followers of Yahweh God. I'm gonna move this. There we go. Don't wanna have to look over that. As followers of Yahweh God in governmental systems that were not only wanting to follow God, but many governmental systems that did not follow God and was in exact opposition to God. So when we think of some of those examples, of course, there was Joseph in the land of Egypt that was absolutely ungodly, worshiping false gods and against Yahweh God. We can think of Daniel under King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon and some of his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, otherwise known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, we can see from examples in the scripture of Esther under the Persian king Xerxes and his reign and then in New Testament times, we certainly see it in the life of Jesus Christ. God himself coming into this universe that he created, into this world, and submitting himself under an ungodly governmental system, the Roman government, to accomplish his will. And we see, of course, the apostles following that example in that same ungodly Roman Christian government at the time and so I think it's important for us, if we're going to answer this question, how are we to live as citizens in this present world under present earthly government, whatever government we may be under, but also live as citizens of heaven? And the apostle Paul addresses this, and he is not the only one that addresses this issue. So I'm gonna give you different scriptures today, again, to be balanced uh, and hopefully to be thorough. So let's take a look first of all in Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse one. The apostle Paul is writing this to believers in the city of Rome, which was the, the hub of the entire Roman government that had spread the, the Roman empire. And this is what he writes to believers in the city of Rome. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, 
Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Take note of that. I I hope you're listening carefully and in your mind mentally. You're underlining some words and phrases. Because I know how people are. I'd be the same way. My mind would already be starting to go with, where is he going with this? What's he trying to say? The one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So the Apostle Paul is reminding us that God in his sovereignty has established earthly governments. Whether you agree with them or not, whether your opinion of them is good or not, God in his sovereignty has established earthly government as a means whereby in his sovereignty he will accomplish his will one way or another. That's very clear in Scripture. I don't want to chase a rabbit trail here, but the Lord has been showing me lately as I've read in the Old Testament that at times when even like Israel, the nation of Israel's enemies would come and attack Israel, sometimes those enemies of Israel, when they would attack Israel and the Israelites would say, why are you doing this? You know, we're serving God. And like Pharaoh of Egypt at one point said, well, who do you think is telling me to come and attack you? And honestly, if you read the scriptures and you understand the the prophets were warning the nation of Israel, God was telling them, I'm allowing these things to happen to you. Your enemies are coming in because you've rejected me. And so God absolutely uses ungodly governments at times to accomplish his will. We have to trust that God is sovereign. If you really believe that, then we gotta take him at his word. Okay, the Apostle Paul says this, what is our responsibility then to government, whether it's godly or ungodly? Well, number one, he makes it very clear, he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter two, verses one through four, that we are to pray for those who are in authority over us, even the ones you don't like the ones that you don't agree with. I'll just say it, whether they're Republican or Democrat or Libertarian or whatever political party that you are entrenched in and very active in, we need to pray for anyone that's in authority over us. Let's take a look at it. First Timothy chapter two, verses one through four. I urge you then, I urge you, did you catch that? (laughs) 
I think that the climate that we're in today is no different than it was back then, and that's why the Apostle Paul said, I'm urging you to do this. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, we're hearing the word of God being read here. So I'm just gonna pause till wherever that's coming from, it gets stopped. Okay, thank you. Don't know where it came from, we don't need to know. But thank you, that was God's word right there. All right, so I'm gonna read it now. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Notice here again that in our urgency to pray for our political leaders, with everything that might upset us, we need to look around and find something to be thankful for. This has been a consistent message that the Apostle Paul writes to the church and it's what I've been sharing with you over the last few weeks in his letter to the church at Philippi, how to have confidence in crisis times and all of these things. The theme throughout has been in the midst of your crisis or your difficult time, look around and find something to be thankful for because God's grace is evident even with the pain and the difficulty that we go through. If we cannot find something to be thankful for, then we are spiritually blinded and we're not seeing God's grace at work because it is always at work. So we need to make sure that we have thanksgiving and, and be made for all people. Now listen to this, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So here is the motivation that we pray that even those ungodly leaders or those people that are in authority that are making decisions that we don't agree with that is, that is causing us pain or difficulty, we need to keep praying for them that their heart would be open to the directing of God and his spirit so that when they make laws or pass laws, it would be helpful for us as believers that we can live in a peaceful way and that we can continue to exercise goodness to those around us and honor God. So look at it again. We are praying for them that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. There's a lot of people that pray in opposition to a political class or a political person or leader, but it's not really so that they can live in godliness and holiness. It's because they can do what they want to do and, and be able to enjoy things that maybe they used to do that they can't do anymore. Check your motivation when you're praying. Make sure your heart is right with God as you're praying for those in authority over you. Now look in verse three, if we pray for our leaders with the right motivation to honor God, look at what it says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. You wanna know what is pleasing to Jesus? Pray for the people that are in authority over you, local level, state level, national level, federal level. And again, pray that the end result would be that we might honor God and live holy and good lives Look at verse four, who wants, this is talking about God, God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved, including those ungodly leaders. So pray for them that they might come to know Christ. If they claim to know Christ, pray that the Holy Spirit would convict them when they step out of line. And not only for them, but for all of us, that we would respond in the same way. Who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. All right, so that's a pretty basic one. Our responsibility to God and government is to pray to God for those in authority over us. Now, the second thing is be good citizens. Let's look at what, what the apostle Peter writes now. 
1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. He doesn't say submit to every human authority for their sake or to puff them up or to help them achieve power or feel good about their power. We submit to the earthly governing authorities for the Lord's sake. In other words, we don't want and God doesn't want our witness for him in the world to be harmed because of some of the stances that we take. We've got to be careful as we stand up for what's right and speak out God's word that we do it in a respectful way, a way that's bold and yet with gentleness. The scriptures tell us that we're to speak the truth in love. This is what I pray for constantly. I pray that it comes across in my delivery because I feel very strongly about what I'm teaching and preaching from God's word. And I admit to you, yeah, sure, I could be wrong. I don't claim to be right all the time or to know anything. That's why I say I wanna be accountable. I ask other people in the church and other leaders to check the word of God and check what I'm saying and let's talk about it. So I don't think I have all the answers, but I believe all the answers are in the scripture and God's Holy Spirit will guide us into his truth as we take the scripture like I'm doing today, look at it thoroughly and objectively and then apply it to our lives. So we need to make sure that we're doing this for the Lord's sake so that our witness can be true and we can have credibility when we talk to people about Jesus that we haven't already ruined our credibility by the way we post stuff on social media or the stuff that we just latch on to that we don't really check out. And it ends up bringing more harm to the cause of Christ and the credibility of the church than if we'd take the time to really do this stuff for the Lord's sake. So submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Right here, we are commanded in scripture, live for Jesus, do the right thing, do good, just focus on that. Doesn't matter what everybody else says, because eventually God, if you've really honored him with your life, those who have opposed you and the good things that you're standing for, they're gonna be silenced, they're going to be proven foolish. So you keep your eyes on Jesus and do what he wants no matter what the government is over you. But make sure that you're doing it in a respectful way and submitting yourself to that government. Now, keep listening till the end, because there's more. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Literally, the Greek word there that the apostle Peter uses in the everyday common Greek, Koine Greek, is the word slave, not warm and fuzzy servant because I feel good and I wanna follow Jesus. You understand that you are not your own. You understand that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He gave his very life. He purchased your soul, your spirit, your life by his shed blood. He gave his life to purchase your life. And if you come to faith in Jesus, it's not something where, well, I'll follow Jesus when I want and then I'll do what I want when I want. No, you are his slave. That may drive some of you away from Jesus. I hope not. But I want you to understand the seriousness of what this is. When you come to Christ, you are saying, my life is no longer my own. Lord, I am yours. I am your slave. Now, in some of the translations into English, it'll use a, a little easier sounding word, bond to servant. <laughs> But bond servant literally means slave. 
But here's the thing, Jesus is not a cruel taskmaster. He owns us, and in fact, he owns us because he loved us so much he died for us. And the scripture says, well, if he died for us, if God didn't only give us his son, he gave us everything, would he, will he withhold any other good thing from us? So you see, it's not this issue of, can I trust Jesus with my soul to be his slave? It's, he's saying, how can you not trust your soul with me? Who else has given their very life? that they may purchase you and own you and have you as part of the family and to be my child and to be part of my inheritance, which you did not have until I died for you and you trusted me with your life. But here's the thing again, live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. We can't have it both ways. We can't have a double standard. So we need to live as God's slaves. And then he says this, Peter, this is the apostle Peter, the headstrong one, the one who denied Jesus and then later was reinstated. Lord, you know I love you. All these things. He says this, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So he's telling us, love each other in Christ. We're part of the family. We need to make sure we're doing that. And I've seen that at Porterfield in this last week with the families that we've been ministering to. We grieve with them. We've ministered to them. We've helped them. Uh, same way with the, uh, not only the uh, Stacy family, but the Lyndon New family and, and many others that are going through things. So, but we need to continue to work on that. We need to love each other deeply as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that includes whether you have one of these things on or not. So again, I'm going to address this in just a moment. Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, because he's supreme, he's ultimate, get your priorities right, but honor the emperor, the earthly government. The apostle Paul writes this to Titus in Titus 3.1, remind the people, that means we forget, so we need to be reminded. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Hear how many times the word good is there? Our actions are not to be selfish or to prove our point. Our actions as followers of Christ is to honor him above all else and consider the good of others above our own good. I mean, you can take care of yourself and you can love yourself, but you need to make sure that you're loving others as you love yourself and in the way that you love yourself. So let's talk about our government here in Ohio. And I want to make this clear. Thank God we are not California. <laughs> we are not California. So the things that we're facing here in Ohio and our government in Ohio is not what's happening in California. I don't want to insult your intelligence, but the United States is not a democracy. It's a republic. And that is set up differently than what some people think of, of a democracy. That's why every state and region has a representation and we all have a voice. And so yes, there is the president and the cabinet and the Congress, the federal, but even the Congress is supposed to be representing the people locally from the different states and, and regions and counties. But the point is this, people in California are dealing with what the governor of California has said. People in Ohio, we're dealing with things that the governor of Ohio has said, West Virginia, so on and so forth. 
So because we are worshiping in Ohio, even if you're here today listening to this in another state or you're in West Virginia or wherever, I'm speaking because this church is located in Ohio. I'm gonna speak about what the governing authority, earthly governing authority in Ohio has said. He wrote a letter and sent it out to those of us in the communities of faith. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but I just want you to hear his sentiment in the beginning so that we can rightly understand this earthly government that we're under. This is dated June 11th of this year. Dear ministerial community member, as you know, the coronavirus is still very much with us. I am very grateful for all the steps you have taken to keep safe those attending services. Listen carefully to this. Because of our respect for the First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, because of our respect for the First Amendment, we exempted religious services from any of the mandates. Have you all heard that? Do you realize that? So right now we have an earthly governing authority here in Ohio that's saying, look, we respect your right to gather and worship. So even though these mandates have gone out, we understand that the constitutional right that you have trumps these mandates that we're giving. However, now let's hear the whole thing. However, we know a member of churches, synagogues, mosques, and other places of worship stopped in building services. Now that they are starting to open back up, I feel it is important to share with you what we, where we believe we are in Ohio. And then he gives a countdown at, at where we were at in June. I'm not gonna read all that to you. But as he concludes it, he just is saying, I'll read kind of the last point. He said, I will continue to discourage your most vulnerable from coming to church. Again, he's not saying you can't come. He's just saying, hey, be mindful of people's health. Those over 65 and those with chronic lung disease. And he goes on and mentions the same things we've heard from the CDC. He's just saying, consider that when you, when you come and worship together. And then he concludes his letter with this. Thank you for all you are doing to conduct services in a manner that protects those in attendance. This is truly about loving thy neighbor as our own individual safety efforts is the best way to protect each other. Very respectfully yours, Mike DeWine Governor. Okay, you heard it straight from our earthly governing authority. He has said, out of respect, we're asking you to do these things, to take these measures. And of course, we at Porterfield have been doing that. We've said from the very beginning, first service is designed more for those who might be more at risk because nobody's been in the building uh, for about a week or so or in the worship center or a large number of people. It gives us time to make sure everything's sanitary. And so those that attend the first service, there's less germs around. Sorry about second service. <laughs> we, we're, we basically say to everybody, and I'm not joking here, worship at your own risk. I mean, that's it. but isn't, hasn't that been the history of Christianity? Worship at your own risk. Uh, we can read in the scriptures where persecution and people always worshiped at the threat of death. But at the same time, to be responsible and respectful, what we're dealing with here is a health issue and the spread of disease, the spread of germs and all that. So we wanna be responsible as we take these steps, but we don't wanna deny the opportunity for us to gather and worship. So Jesus used the ungodly Roman governing authority that he absolutely had authority over, but he submitted himself 
under that authority and allowed himself to be put to death, crucified, for telling the truth. He told them he was the son of God. They didn't believe him. And then he proved who he was by conquering death three days later. Oh yeah, by the way. Showed himself to his disciples for over a period of 40 days in various ways. And then before he ascended back up into heaven, he said, now you're gonna be my witnesses. I'm not gonna really leave you or forsake you. I'm going back up into heaven, but I'll be with you. I'm sending my Holy Spirit to indwell you. And, and I'm gonna be with you as you continue on in the world. This is an ongoing, lifelong, eternal relationship. So go share this news with others that they might believe and receive and have me in their lives. And that's where we're at today. The point is this, Jesus submitted himself to an ungodly authority. He had every right to say to the governing authorities, I'm God and you're not, and I'm gonna prove it to you. I'm not gonna die on the cross. So there, yeah. And had he done that, where would we be today? You see, Sometimes the work of God can be accomplished by submitting to ungodly rulers just as much as it can by resisting ungodly rulers. So you better make sure, this is my point, don't sacrifice the gospel in your stand for your civil rights or for whatever it is you're fighting for. Because the way that you speak and what you speak, people are watching and listening and we must not discredit our witness for Christ in the midst of our stand for civil liberties. This is a difficult issue. And that's why I'm treating it seriously. But I'm saying we all need to pray. And above all, this message is about making sure that we are focused on Christ and doing exactly what his scripture says and not picking and choosing what we want to hear out of scripture and what we can try to justify out of scripture. So I'm telling you, this is a difficult message to bring because it really does leave us with each one of us in our conscience and how we're gonna live and honor God. But I, as your pastor, I need to teach on this so that collectively we can pray for each other and work together because Satan would love nothing more than to divide the church of the living God with this. Thank you. I hope that there can be more than one amen. So, I want you to know I've been consistent in this from day one. We're respecting the earthly authorities. They haven't told us we have to stop worshiping, not at all. So for some, they look at this mask and they see freedom. It gives us an opportunity to continue to function and worship and show respect. And here's the thing. I know there's the debate on whether these things do any good or not. I get it. You know, we think we're so smart. Medical community has done wonders, and I'm grateful for it. I really am. So if you're part of the medical community, what I'm about to say, I hope it doesn't make you angry, but if it does, I'm sorry. So, you know, deal with it. But we're always learning in medicine. We don't, we're not as smart as we think we are. As much as we've learned, there's still much more to learn. There was a time in medical history when they thought it was good for your health to put leeches on your body and let leeches suck the blood out of you, and that would make you better because it got all the poison blood out of you. Ah, so today, is it any wonder that when they run all these studies and they're doing all these tests and you're hearing all these things about hydroxychloroquine and how it works or how it doesn't work and people take their political, political positions and it becomes nothing about medicine but it's all about politics, or we take our positions about wearing a mask or not wearing a mask and is it good, is it really doing any good, does it do more harm than good, we don't know. I'll just give you the answer, we don't know. God does. I'll say this, 
if there would happen to be an outbreak of COVID here at Porterfield, it's going to look a lot better for our witness in the community and the world if we've done this. Oh, my. <laughs> but, I better take that off. If there is an outbreak of COVID at Porterfield and nobody has worn masks and we've shaken our fist at the government and said, you're not going to tell us what to do, what's that do to our witness, to our neighbors, to people on social media? I can give you instances where churches that took that stance, there was an outbreak and they were ridiculed and some might say, well, we're just persecuted for our faith. Okay, I get it. We're going to be persecuted for our faith. But did that church really cause and advance the cause of Christ? I don't know. That's up to Christ to decide. I'm just saying, to me, it harmed their credibility and their witness. Again, I'm not a judge. But all I know is when they made the news, it wasn't about all the good they were doing in the community. It was about the harm that they had caused for being what some would call reckless. It, is what I'm saying making sense to y'all? So I want to make it clear. If you choose not to wear a mask and you come here, we love you. And God loves you. And we're not going to tell you not to come. We're not going to tell you not to come in because we should be able to worship in freedom. But to be balanced, I must say that if there is an outbreak here and a bunch of us are not wearing masks, guess what they're going to look at? And above all, I am concerned about civil liberties, absolutely. And I'm coming to this part of the message. So for those of you that have just been waiting, your time's coming, you'll be happy. <laughs> but I'm just saying that I'm concerned about civil liberties, but I'm concerned more about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that Roman government that was ungodly, that crucified Christ, it's gone. Jesus is alive. His church is alive. Those ungodly governments, every time they try to suppress the truth and suppress uh, Christ, Christ survives, the church survives, and those governments fail. But if we really believe that God is sovereign, then to be credible witnesses like Joseph was in Egypt, like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in Babylon, like Esther was in Persia, they submitted themselves to the governing authorities, even though it was ungodly, but above all, Christ was honored. God was honored through what they did in both their submission and then when it was time to take a stand. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, I'm gonna use those names. When they went to Babylon, they were given ungodly names. Daniel, when he went to Babylon, he was a worshiper of God, and they named him Belteshazzar, which I believe means uh, in protection of the king or God protect the king, and the king was an ungodly king. And Daniel didn't say, don't call me that. He's like, okay, well, if that's what you're going to call me, in my heart, I'm still worshiping the true God. I know who the true God is, and he did, and we can read the stories of how God honored that in the midst of an ungodly government where Daniel submitted himself except when they told him to stop praying to God and to pray to an idol. And then he drew his line and he said, can't do it because God is supreme. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were told to bow down to the idol of the king and to worship the king, they said, can't do it. You know, we've submitted to you up to this point, but now you're asking us to put earthly government above God and we cannot do it. So even if you throw us in the fire or you want to punish us or whatever you want to do to us, we believe God will deliver us. But even if not, O king, know that we will not bow. 
There are things in our culture today that peer pressure is trying to get us to bow to. Need I say more? You cannot watch the news or anything without the current pressures of things that are opposed to God's word. The forces of this world are coming and saying, bow to us, bow to us, bow to this cause, bow bow to that cause. And at that point, as a follower of Jesus, that's when we say no. Not gonna bow to those causes. I bow only to Christ because he is supreme over all. So we submit to earthly government up to the point to where earthly government tries to tell us to put itself above our worship of God, and we cannot do that. And that's why in California, the churches now, when the governor of California said, don't sing in your churches, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? They will not do anything to have law enforcement come and arrest the protesters that are out there in the streets gathering and protesting which is a form of worship of their cause and and letting destruction happen. And you're gonna say to law-abiding citizens in churches, don't sing. Now that is where you stand up and you say, no, we're gonna worship our God. And whatever consequences come, you wanna bring the consequences, bring them, but we're gonna stay true to God. You see, you gotta know where to pick your battles. You gotta know where to draw the line. And this is not the line, church. This is not the line. In Ohio, we're not there yet. We may get there, but we're not there yet. So in the meantime, I'm just asking you to prayerfully consider how we can maintain a credible witness in the culture around us and also honor God. Paul, I I know I'm gonna go just a little long today. Is that okay? If if not, you're excused. (laughs) This is too important an issue to try to squeeze in to a little bit of time, and I don't wanna drag it out over two Sundays. So I am coming to the point now of like what I just said, when is it okay to make an exception or how can I be a good citizen and still stand for what God wants me to stand for? So here we go, number one, fulfill your obligations. This is one of the ways that we can, can be, a, did, did I even read the, yeah, I did, <laughs> the, the Peter passage. He was saying, the apostle Peter was saying, be good citizens. All right, so how do we do that now? I'll try to move through this quickly. Number one, fulfill your obligations as, a, as an earthly citizen. The apostle Paul addressed this in Romans 13. I, won't, I don't need to read it again. He said, this is why you pay taxes. I don't like to pay taxes uh, because there's a lot of things that my tax money goes for that I don't support. But the fact is, it is the situation. So we pay our taxes and we leave the responsibility of how they use the taxes between them and God and judgment will come. Okay. <laughs> so Luke chapter 20, verses 22 through 25 This is what Jesus says when he's approached with this issue of paying taxes. Under an ungodly governmental system, again, the Roman government was, the way it was set up is Caesar actually believed he was God. He wanted to be worshiped as a God and he expected the people under his rule to worship him as God. They had to offer incense and these types of things to actually him as God. Can you imagine God himself allowed himself to come into the world and be under that kind of government? But he was doing it to prove a point. Anyway, so they came to Jesus to ask this question because they wanted to try to trick him, some of the scribes and Pharisees. So they said, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? 
What about, you know, the, the, the liberties, the civil liberties or whatever as followers of, uh, of God? Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their duplicity and said to them, well, show me a denarius. That was a Roman coin. And then he said, whose image and inscription are on it? Caesar's, they replied. Now, again, remember, this is the guy that claimed to be a god that wanted to be worshipped as a god, and they're giving this coin to the god that created everything. Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, well, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. This is a really important statement, church, because he's saying under earthly government, go ahead and give back to the government you know, what they've issued. Again, I'm sovereign over all this. Just make sure as you're obeying the earthly government that you don't forget that I'm the one that created you. So give to God, give to me what is God's, which is you, your life, your soul. Trust me with your life. Make sure that you're putting me as the supreme authority. Don't miss what Jesus was teaching here. For those of you that don't like to pay taxes, I could say the same thing following the line of Jesus. Pull out your wallet, your purse, get out your, your paper money, get out your coins. Whose image is on there? Past presidents. There you go. <laughs> if they ask for taxes, give it back to the government. But make sure that as you're honoring the earthly governing authority that you're giving yourself to God because you were created in God's image. And he loves you and he gave his life for you. So another one in Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? So here's another, this was a religious tax that was paid. Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. Jesus knew already what was gonna happen because again, he's God in the flesh. He knew what was happening. Um, so he didn't even let Peter ask. He started the conversation. He said, what do you think, Simon? For whom do the kings of this earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? So he's really addressing this whole issue of elitism and government elitism that can be in any culture. And Jesus is asking the question. He says, Peter, really, do you think all these governmental elites, do you think their kids pay taxes? Who pays the taxes, their kids or the rest of you? And Peter's like, yeah, the rest of us, their kids are exempt. In fact, that's what he says. Peter answered uh, from others and, and, and uh, Peter answered. And then Jesus said, then the children are exempt. Verse 27, but so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth and you will find a four drachma coin, take it and give it to them for my tax and for yours. He says, so that you won't cause offense. It's not that Jesus is afraid of offending anyone. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, so that we don't raise a big ruckus, because literally, yeah, we don't have to pay the temple tax. I am the son of God. I'm the one that created all this. So I'm exempt, and you as my follower, you're exempt. You don't have to do it. But we're not here to make a big political ruckus. So, so that we don't raise a ruckus that takes the, the mind of the people off of why I truly came, go ahead and pay the tax. And then he did this thing that sounds like a magic trick, but it wasn't a magic trick. He was doing it to prove a point. He said, Peter, take your fishing pole, go to the lake, cast out your line, and the first fish you catch, reel it in, there's gonna be a four drachma coin in it, and take that and go pay the temple tax. 
Here's what Jesus was saying. Peter, I am the God of all things. I'm the God of this government. I control nature. I control circumstances. There's nothing that's out of my control. Think about it. Jesus knew, number one, we all know that coins don't grow in fish, right? So Jesus knew exactly when whomever it was, whether they were in a boat or on a dock and they were pulling out their bag of money for whatever reason, a four drachma coin, maybe more than one, but a four drachma coin fell in the water. Because he's the God of all circumstance, he caused that fish to swallow that four drachma coin. And out of all the fish in the lake and out of everything that he created, he knew exactly where that fish was. And he told Peter, when you go, what are the chances of you casting a line in? Not a net, a line. So you're only gonna catch one fish. And Peter did that and God Christ, because he is God in the flesh and he's God over everything, he called that fish to come to that hook. And the fish bit the hook and Peter reeled it in because the fish had swallowed that four drachma coin that somebody had dropped. God knew exactly what the circumstance was. He knew the fish, he called the fish. The fish swallowed the hook, Peter reeled it in and there was the tax. God's provision through circumstance, through him directing nature. And you think God's not big enough to help you through your circumstance? Come on. There is such a deep teaching in this. So God is going to provide even as we seek to honor him first and foremost, but then also the government that we're under. I'm gonna try to move along quickly. I appreciate your patience today, but this is so important. So the next thing that we need to understand to be a good citizen is know your rights. Now here's what some of you have been waiting for, but it is true. Know your rights under the current government system that you're in because you do have a responsibility to know that. So Paul understood the citizenship as a Roman person, the rights that he had as a Roman citizen. So he had undergone some unjust punishment when he was in the city of Philippi, and we're gonna pick it up. He was beaten, he was arrested and beaten simply for preaching the gospel, and people got upset with that. Um, You can read about it in Acts if you wanna read the whole story, but I'm just gonna pick it up where Paul uses his rights as a Roman citizen to make a point. So when it was daylight, in verse 35 of Acts 16, when it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, well, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. Now keep in mind, Paul and Silas had been beaten without a trial, They were Roman citizens, they were upset, they knew their rights, they were simply trying to follow God, and now this this jailer is coming along saying, well, okay, you can go now, go in peace. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh, no. I've been wronged here under the rights of this earthly government. So here's what we see, Paul, but Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we're Roman citizens and he threw us into prison, and now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, it's like, "Uh uh-uh, that is not happening. I'm using the rights that God has given me under this government to make a point that you all treated me unjustly. So he was standing up for his rights. Let them come themselves and escort us out. That's pretty, pretty bold. The officers reported this to the magistrates and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed because Rome was serious about you do not punish Roman citizens without a trial. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. 
Later on, we see in Acts chapter 25, the Apostle Paul, again, using the rights he had as a Roman citizen, even in his defense of the gospel, and wanting to make sure that the gospel could continue to be spread, but also to protect his life, because he had a threat against his life. So we find in Acts 25, 8, then Paul made this defense, I've done nothing wrong against the Jewish law or against the temple or against Caesar. See, he could make that case because he had been submitting himself to earthly governments. Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there on these charges? Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews as you yourself know very well. If, however, I'm guilty of doing anything deserving death, I don't refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar." So we have an example of the very one, Paul, who said, obey the governing authorities. He's also saying, know your rights under that authority. And if you're honoring God to do it, trusting him, then use those rights and stand up for the rights that you have. So that brings me to the final point of this, how do we be a good citizen, especially here in America? I can't speak for being a citizen anywhere else because God's called me here in this country at this time, in this location. So all I can do is speak for the application of it here in America. We are blessed to live in a country where your voice can be heard and where your vote counts, hopefully. Here again, I know that's a whole thing. But we live in a country where we have an opportunity to influence the government. And the government is giving us permission, at least as of now, to influence them. So I just want to say this. Get to know your rights as a citizen. And if you've not registered to vote, shame on you. If you're eligible to vote and you haven't registered to vote, I urge you to understand the laws, get to know the political parties and the people and what they stand for in their platforms, and then use your influence to vote. That's one of the things that you can do as a good citizen as you have opportunity because we have the opportunity to participate to influence the government. Again, Joseph did it when he was in Egypt. He submitted all the way through Potiphar's house and when he was thrown in jail and treated so unjustly, but because he honored God above all else, God rose him to a point of influence and power and then he was able to bless people with the love of God to provide for them but his heart was to honor God, but he did not shun his opportunity to influence that ungodly government when he had the opportunity. The same thing with Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, as I mentioned. The same thing with Esther under the Persian king Xerxes. She had an opportunity to influence the king because she had been placed there at that time to be able to speak up for her people, the Jewish people. In fact, uh, her uncle said that perhaps it was for that very reason that God had placed her there for that particular time. Well, maybe God has placed you here in America today at this particular troubling time because he's want his spirit to work through you so that you can influence the government for good and for godly things. So make a difference, vote, do what you can. But while you're doing that, don't sacrifice your cause or don't sacrifice the gospel for your cause. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And isn't that true? We've all got salt in our homes, but if you would pour that salt out on food and, and it does no good, like it's lost its, its vitality, uh, it has no flavor, it's not doing any preservative effect, what are you gonna do with the salt? You're gonna throw it in the trash. And that day, they just throw it out in the street. It wasn't any good. It wasn't useful. It had no effect. 
And so it was being trampled underfoot by people. This is what I'm saying as believers in Christ. If we can be salt in the communities we live in, that we can be so filled with the love of God and the influence of Christ that the community sees us as a blessing to the community because we're being salt, we're having an influence, we're making a difference for good. Remember I said in the very beginning, all these things that we do for earthly government and our participation is for the good of those around us. So if we're truly living out in a way that Christ is working through us, we're making a difference for good in the community and therefore we're not gonna be trampled underfoot by man. But if we cave in to every culture or every current rise of culture that's coming that we know is ungodly and is not pleasing to God and we start becoming so much like the culture that we're making no difference at all, then guess what? Church has no effect, we're just being trampled underfoot. Christ has called us to be salt and that includes when we have an opportunity to be involved in government, we need to make sure that we're not losing our salt. We're influencing the government for good. Some people say that you cannot legislate morality. Okay, I'm gonna challenge that. Abortion has been legalized under the law in America. Whose morality is that? Same-sex marriage has been legalized in America. What morality is legislated with that? You see, morality does get legislated, it's just whose morality is being legislated. So don't think that we should not take the opportunity to be involved in government as we have opportunity to have that influence, but again, keep your priorities right. Honor Christ first, love people, show grace, speak the truth, but do it in love so that God can use it and we don't lose our credibility. The Apostle Paul says, for you brethren have been called to liberty, only don't use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. One of our deacons, Jeff Harbison, and Pastor Eric and myself are gonna be working on a video to try to just help us all as followers of Jesus to know when we're making our stand for certain things uh, under the earthly government that we live under, that we do it in the right way so that our witness and our credibility for Christ isn't um, sacrificed or ruined. Because sometimes in our quickness, when we see something posted online that fits in with our narrative or what we want, and both sides are guilty of this, all political parties are guilty of this, everybody's guilty of it. So this is for all of us, myself included. Before you post something, make sure that you check it out and make sure it's true. Because if in your haste to see something you like that you think is true and you put it on social media and then it gets discredited as being untrue, guess what just happened to your witness as a follower of Jesus? You've just hurt your credibility. Because they say, well, pff, well if they fall for that, <laughs> they fell for the, th the Jesus thing, oh my goodness. They're gonna look for any excuse. So let's be truthful people, let's be people of truth, let's be people of credibility, and let's not be mean about it. Let's not be mean-spirited. All that does is bring division and harm, and it doesn't bring the things of God's righteousness. So again, speak the truth in love. Over and over, we're instructed in the scriptures to give a reason for the hope that we have, but to do it with gentleness and with respect. My prayer is that, I, that as I'm bringing these messages, because I, you can tell I strongly believe in these things, but I'm also speaking it in love. I, I have no animosity as I'm bringing this. I really don't. I just wanna honor Christ and I pray that we all might do the same. And I'm not a perfect person, I have my flaws, so I'll be the first to tell you that. Julie would be the second. <laughs> 
Paul says, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he also writes to Coloss, the church of Coloss, Colossians 1.13, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So whose kingdom predominantly are you gonna live for and follow? Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name, the name of Christ under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. I appreciate your patience. I really need to give these last two things and I will wrap it up. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, the apostle Paul writes this. Therefore, talking about Christ, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's who we ought to be bowing to, not these other causes not these other purposes. We should be bowing only to Christ and honor him. The apostle Peter, I I gave you an example of Paul. Now I'm gonna give you the example of Peter as the last scripture. Because again, Peter who said we're to submit to earthly governance, he shows right here when you need to draw the line and honor God above the law that you're under. In Acts chapter five, verse 27, They were arrested, Peter and some of his followers were arrested because they were preaching Jesus and they were put in jail and they were told not to preach about Jesus anymore. Listen to this. Then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, the name of Jesus. Instead, you have filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching about him and you wanna make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than man or any human form of government. So right there, we clearly see where the line is. So as we navigate our way through COVID-19 and all the challenges of our civil liberties and Black Lives Matter and all the protesting and this upcoming election and all this turmoil, know where the line is. And like I said, the line isn't a piece of cloth over our face. The line is when we're told by that earthly government, you can't worship anymore, or you can't sing in church, or you can't do do this, then we're gonna honor God above all else. Would you stand and let's pray. I I know I went way long today, but I'm just trusting that God is, is using it. Lord, this is such an important topic, and I just ask, I, I hope that I've honored you today in the way that I've tried to present your word. So Lord, just help us now to take what we've heard, myself included, and to know under the leadership of your Holy Spirit, how we need to stand together as your brothers and sisters in Christ, as your children, your family. So help us to love one another supremely, to treat each other with respect, whether people choose to wear a mask or not. Help us to love each other. Help us to make sure that we are worshiping you in the way that you want rightfully submitting to earthly government when it's appropriate and and in the way that you want, but then knowing when to stand for you above all else or to kneel before you rather than to kneel for anything else. You know our hearts, Lord. Guide us through this time. Give us unity. Give us harmony. 
Help us, Father, protect your church. I pray again for your protection over us. Anyone that gathers on this, on this hillside, on this property, protect us from becoming ill. And help us in wisdom in the days ahead to know as we want to continue to open things up further so that we might gather here and worship you and have our children be taught and ministered to. Lord, we're saying we can't do this without you. We don't want to. What would be the point? So, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to protect us and help us and guide us and glorify yourself in what you're going to do in the days and weeks ahead. And we're going to give you all the praise and all the thanks in your precious and holy name. Amen.